Okay, this is week two of this study. It's the first week that we're going to really get into the text. Last week was an intro, kind of uh, a slow beginning. This morning we're going to have a few more meaty discussions. And uh, it's the kind of thing that, you know, you think intro, first eight verses of a book. I said this last week, we have a tendency to sometimes quickly skip over those intro statements in in the books that we read, that there's not much there for us. But uh, as we will see this morning, there really is a lot that is there. And we could pick and choose what to focus on. And you may say, well, I wish you would have focused on this and and not what you chose, because there really is a lot. And... um, And I did pick some things that I think were worth focusing on in those first eight verses this morning. Some reminder of your notebooks. There's probably a couple different places where you might want to keep your finger in or your bulletin stuck in. If you go towards the back, the beige pages or uh, tannish color, they are the weekly handouts. You might want to put one finger in the handout for this week, which would be the second tab of the tan pages near the back. And then each week, uh, from here on out, Patty Ann will copy the handout, and you'll only have the handouts available on the table to pick up hole punch to be able to put in behind that. So week three, you'll have probably a couple pages to put in back there. And then you may, you may want to page around in here some for some of the other information as we go through things this morning, but something else uh, that that is in here is the whole book of Colossians is printed out for you to mark on, to take notes on, to underline, whatever is helpful to you. And as you see, when we go through these first eight verses, page six is the start of the book of Colossians. And so you wouldn't have to, you know, you're going to be on that first page today as we look at those eight verses. But as we focus on some parts of that text you may or may not want to make some notes there on the text yourself. So you might go back and forth between that and those tan pages for today. All right, a little bit of review from last week. The book of Colossians was one of Paul's letters to the churches. This one went to the church in Colossae, and it was to encourage them as well as to address some false teaching that was taking place in the church. And if you remember... Uh, Colossae is a city that uh, is in this beautiful river valley with nice mountains and everything next to it, and it's near some of those churches that are addressed uh, in the book of Revelation. In the first chapters of Revelation, you can see on this map, if you can read that, Laodicea and Philadelphia are two of those churches. And uh, we don't know a whole lot because they've never excavated a lot of the ruins at Colossae because of earthquakes and volcanoes. But those other cities have had more excavation. Two people we mentioned last week, you'll hear more about throughout the Colossian study, the, the role of Epaphras. He was the person who, a Gentile, who was a disciple of Paul who helped found the church in Ephesus. I mean, I'm sorry, in Colossae. But he was with Paul when he wrote the letter from the prison in Rome. The person who delivered the letter was this man named Tychicus. 
Okay, so just a reminder of those things. And last week we talked about how we're going to try to use good Bible study methods, techniques, tools, and all that as we go through this. So today I may point out a few of those tools as we uh, go through the study today that I used even to help prepare this lesson today. And when you get together in your discussion groups, you may mention something about a tool that you're using in terms of participating in the discussion. And the tools are listed also in the, in the book, and you may remember some of those. So today's lesson is the greeting. That's all it is, eight verses. It's all pretty much a greeting, but there's some things in there that are, uh, I would call, doctrine-related. We're going to dissect the text, and one of the ways we're going to do that today is in these eight verses, we're going to look at action phrases and how important the actions that Paul identifies in these eight verses are things we should all also do, and you'll see how they they have relevance to us. We're going to look at key words, and we're going to, here's the meaty parts of it, we're going to distinguish the true gospel from false gospels. And one of the other things that's kind of meaty is we're going to look at how belief in the true gospel actually results in good fruit, which is the title of today's lesson. All right, I'm going to, uh, this is the first eight verses, so it makes good sense to just read these verses as part of our intro. Then we'll start highlighting things in this text. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world that is bearing fruit and increasing, it is also, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. That's a lot of things that he's throwing in these eight verses. And you could actually, if you wanted to just spend a lot of, lot of time on these eight verses, you could start analyzing so many little phrases in these eight verses. Instead, today, we're going to be selective. We're going to pick certain things that we think are most helpful that we can apply as well. And so we're going to start out with these actions. And... Um, I'm going to just kind of go through them. They're highlighted here, things that, that I would, and they are in your uh, tan pages as well. So, I mean, you don't need to quickly write these down. If you, if you look at the tan pages under number two, these actions are all highlighted there in that list. But let's think about how these actions have relevance to us. Thanking God. We're, we're to give thanks in all circumstances. The very first one, we always thank God. That isn't, he, he's pointing out what he's thanking God for, but that's a way of life. Kent, do you need something? Okay. Okay. Um, so we're thanking 
God, okay? Action step. Praying for you, another action step. He's praying for the church. We're to pray for one another. We could go through a whole study that relates to that. Heard of your faith. And then right below that, you have heard the gospel. There is a, it's important for Christians to listen. So when you heard something, it means you listened to someone who was talking to you or reading to you or teaching you. And hearing comes in many different forms, but yet that's an action that is an important action for Christians. Hearing requires listening. Listening is an important thing for Christians. Okay, the gospel has come to you. That, that is, um, again, relates to an action that somebody took to present the gospel to them. And I'm going to come back and talk a whole lot more about this uh, gospel-bearing fruit. That's not an action of the person. That is, that is something that the gospel is the noun, and the bearing bears, causes to bear fruit isn't the person, it's the message. Again, you know, you heard it and you understood it. Um, when you hear something, if you listen, if you don't listen carefully with that kind of mind that is open to God's leading, understanding is not going to come. Again, you learned it. You are listening for purposes of learning. When you come to church and we have teaching of different types, you are listening so that you learn. I mean, when you're sitting listening to me now or Mike teaching or Kent or Larry or whoever it may be, you are hoping to learn from it. Okay, so that has applicability. And, and then that, uh, this is back to Epaphras, that he made known your love. So he is sharing information about the church with Paul. We have a responsibility also to, uh, to share with one another, and that includes not just our material things, but what we know. So, I mean, it's a lot of actions. We could have spent a, spent a lot more time talking about each of these actions, but they're all there in this very beginning eight verses. A lot of things that have relevance to us to live similarly as, as Paul, you know, describes in these actions. Okay, so we are going to now look at key, wait a minute here, key words. Again, this is not the discussion time, so I'm going to be doing a bunch of presenting. And, and the definitions, some definitions for, the, uh, for these key words, we're not going to do full word studies on every one of these. We can't do that. But sometimes in your own study, you may want to do a more in-depth word study on some of these key words that you would come across to make sure you're fully grasping its meaning and then within the context what its meaning may be. Uh, today, all we're going to do is quickly go through, because these are key words, we're going to quickly review some of the definitions of these words before we get into some of the discussion of, of the key issues of the day. 
these are the key issues of the day, the ones that just got underlined and, um, and bolded. You know, the truth, the true gospel, and the fact that the true gospel bears fruit. That'll be our two issues that we're going to spend time talking about and discussing later on. But for now, let's just go through these words quickly that are highlighted with respect to what they mean. Apostle. There's really two definitions here, but I think the definition within the context, he's talking about himself. So the apostle in this context is the 12, the 12 apostles plus Paul was added as the apostle to the Gentiles. And these, this meaning of apostle is a person who is personally called and sent by Jesus himself for special ministries or two special ministry of evangelism teaching. And uh, these are witnesses of his life and resurrection. Now, there is another use of apostle in scripture where it could refer to other believers. And, the defi- and, and again, I went to my Bible tool on this. I went to two or three different Bible dictionaries and tried to combine some meanings from these different Bible dictionaries to come up with what you'll see on the screen today. But envoys or ambassadors sent on a mission to speak for the Lord. So there are others who have that uh, role of apostle. Saint. You know, depends on if you're in the Protestant church, we have a different view of a saint than what the Catholic church has a view of the saint. Um, We would say a saint, saints are people who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy or consecrated, made holy, and set apart for service to the Lord and his kingdom, the body of Christ, everyone who's saved. If you're in Christ, you are a saint, okay, from our perspective, not just the person who lives a good, holy life as judged by someone else, okay, because no one is perfect anyway if you go to that definition. Everybody falls short and sins. Grace. I'm sure you've heard various definitions, but here's sort of a combination definition taken from these Bible dictionaries. Grace is God's benevolent favor, blessing, and kindness arising out of his love for us, not because we deserve it or earn it. Okay? Peace. That's an interesting one. We would think we understand, but from a biblical point of view, it is a condition of order and harmony and fulfillment resulting from a right relationship with Jesus. A sense of well-being and a clear conscience resulting from a restoration of fellowship with God. Remember, Ephesians says we were all enemies at one time. There's not peace between God and his enemies. Peace comes only after we develop that right relationship with God. Peace returns. This is from a biblical perspective. Of course, there are other ways we could look at the concept of peace. Faith. Something, again, we all know, but yet let's just look at what we think that means from a biblical perspective. Being fully persuaded, belief, the term belief may be interchangeable in some ways, that God exists and that he revealed himself in the Bible, and that belief results in trust, obedience, and commitment. Saving faith is the belief that Jesus' death paid the price for one's own sins. Okay, so... um, 
Again, that's a focused view, and, and we could talk a lot about every one of these, but I'm just wanting to kind of run through them in this way. Heaven. Again, there's, if, if you know Randy Alcorn wrote a book that's about that thick on heaven, so we could say so much about what heaven is and what it's not. But simply, it's the place we will spend eternity with the Lord where there is no sin or corruption. So the Lord's there, sin is gone. Sin cannot be there, okay? Um, world, another one of those things that have a lot of definition. This one, I put the Greek word on there because you're probably familiar with that term, cosmos, although you may know it more with a C. But the Greek word is with a K. And um, in this context, where it says the whole world is bearing fruit, um, it isn't that end of this where it says the dark system that is warped by sin influenced by the evil one you know sometimes world is refer- referencing that uh, kind of part of, of of what's around us that darkness but it can mean all created things the arena where human life and experiences occur humanity itself world is one of those things that is used in many ways in the bible that's one, if you did a word study, you could, we could spend a whole day just on a word study on the word world. All right. That's kind of a lot of introductory information. It's going to get us to our first discussion question. Um, back to the text, and I'm not going to try to... Well, there, there's, I guess I took it out of the first part out of the text. You have heard before in the word of truth... And what's the word of truth? I mean, when we say that, what are we meaning? The Bible, Bible, his word, the word of truth, scripture. You have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So it's there. The gospel is in the word of truth, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing for this discussion. Don't go to the fruit part of it. That's going to come up later. Okay, where we're going to talk about. But get in your groups, um, discuss these four questions. In your mind, what is the true gospel? Can you intellectually know the true gospel, but not internalize it? Like you know what it says, and you'll talk about what it is. Can somebody know that and not internalize it? And if they don't internalize it, then what is the... Uh, value or effect of just knowing it intellectually. What are false gospels, Paul's day and today? And can you think of any other Bible passages where Paul addresses uh, the false gospel idea and why it is such a serious problem? Because there are a few other places. He doesn't do it in Colossians. He does it other places where this false gospel is uh, considered such a big deal. So um, it's 10 minutes in your groups. Um, If you want to kind of move around a little bit so you can face one another, the people in the middle, if you want to move to the sides or turn a little, go ahead. We're going to start our 10 minutes right now to discuss this. What is a true gospel, false gospels, all of that stuff. Okay. Um, Sounds like a lot of good discussion going on. 
you can either uh, turn around and reface or you can look at the back screen. If you're facing backwards and you want to just sit right where you're at, you can look at the screen in the back if you can see it because you are going to, uh, one more time, get back in your discussion groups. We, you may be thinking in your mind, are we going to report out every time we have these discussion groups? Well, we decided, if you haven't heard this already, that we would not have reporting out from every group about what everybody discussed because the time would take way too long to do that and there would be a lot of repetitive reporting out ideas. But not on this one, but on the next one, there's going to be an opportunity if anybody comes up with some really good ideas in your group worth sharing or if someone says something and you they aren't willing to say it but you think it should be stated for everybody we're going to have an opportunity for somebody to say something at the end of the next discussion period but not this one and I'm going to ask the Greek expert in the audience how do you pronounce that Greek word for gospel anybody know again (laughs) okay (laughs) you on Um, That is the Greek word for gospel. And again, this is a Bible dictionary summarized definition of the gospel, the the true gospel that that you were just talking about, the sum total of saving truth about Jesus as it is communicated to lost humanity. Even simpler, the good news about Jesus. And that is appropriated by God's, to us by God's grace and by our faith. Um, some ideas about what a false gospel is. You may have said a lot of these things. You may have had a lot of even better ways of stating it than what says up there in your groups. But any belief system that deny any aspect of who Jesus is, since this is all about truth about Jesus, anything that denies or distorts Who Jesus is, is a false gospel. And it includes what he accomplished, what we must do to be saved, and saved meaning reckoned, righteous, or justified before Almighty God. Also, it can be erroneous views of God's plans for his people, which again relates to Jesus. Everything ties back to Jesus. So that's just a a few thoughts on, on what that is. So we're going to shift gears into this next topic, and before we discuss it, we're going before you all discuss it, we're going to talk a little bit about it. The text again says, "The gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth." So you know this way that this is stated, reads meaning into the fact that they heard it, they understood it, they internalized it. It became real to them. It became belief. It became part of their faith. That's implied in the way this is stated, but that the gospel then bears fruit. And what is fruit? Again, that, that fruit was one of those words that we said was an important word when we highlighted key words in the first eight verses, but I didn't define it then. But here, a very simple definition again. It's used to describe a person's outward actions that result from the condition of his or her heart. 
Galatians 5.22 says, the fruit of the Spirit. Again, fruit, something that is outward based upon what is internal, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus said in John 15, verse 16, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. There's a lot of places where the term, where Jesus talked about fruit. <clears throat> In 15.5, John 15.5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying our capacity to bear fruit depends on our relationship or connection with him. We're already to the second discussion point, and this is one where I'm hoping that some of you will come up with something that you want to share with the group, okay? But here's what, you, what I'm asking you to talk about. What does good fruit look like in a Christian? Can, can we even distinguish whether it is good fruit? Think of that. That's not up there. Can you actually see enough or know enough about that person to know whether it is good fruit from God's perspective? How do we abide in Jesus? Because Jesus said abiding in him is a necessity to producing good fruit. So how do we abide in Jesus? And then tell one another about some good fruit you have seen in people you know or what you would perceive as good fruit. And can I, here's, the, here's the real good one where you could just talk about this all day. Can a non-Christian bear good fruit? Think about what Jesus said. You know, he also said you would know them by their fruit. He said a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Think about all these passages. Maybe look up some of them and talk about them as you discuss this. But go ahead and talk about these questions and... Uh, uh, let, let's look at this for a minute, and I'll still open it up to more comments. But we already talked about this verse in Matthew 7. And we know from Galatians 5 that good fruit is produced by the Holy Spirit, submitting to the Holy Spirit that's in us. Um, we already talked about Jesus saying he appointed us to go and bear fruit, good fruit that will last. That's another component of good fruit. It has eternal. We can look at it from an eternal perspective. Jesus says it will last, and anything good is because Christ is in us. Um, counterfeit good fruit. Mentioned a little bit about this already. We can act Christian. We can go through motions while our heart remains self-centered, filled with all kinds of impure things. That could there could be impure thoughts in your mind that result in what appears to the world to be good fruit. And God reviews such acts as he talked about in Isaiah, as filthy rags. So any other comments on, on this concept before we just summarize and, and apply today? We've got just not that much time, but, but if somebody has anything else to share, Rick. Okay, just a, a summary of some of what we talked about this morning, since we're down to like five minutes to go. Um, I think we learned that you hear the gospel. It, someone has to 
share it with you or you have to read it. And, and God also, you have to hear his voice and be drawn by him. But somehow we're hearing it and believing it or we're understanding it first. We're understanding the gospel. That's necessary. There needs to be understanding. In this first eight verses, it talks about you understood it. You heard the word of truth and you understood it. And then you believe it. And that's where faith and salvation comes in at that point. And then we hear that if you get to that point, you will bear good fruit. I had a conversation with Robin this morning. Do we really ever hardly bear good fruit, even if we're saved, even if we're submitting at times to the Holy Spirit? Probably we are some, but often some of our good works may not be good fruit in God's eyes because we're doing it for the wrong reason. But, you know, I came to the conclusion in that conversation with her that we all have these moments of submitting to the Spirit where good fruit is it's real in us. And, um, and I think that's what Paul's teaching here. All over the world, the gospel is bearing good fruit. So from an application and self-examination point of view, first, don't skip the greetings and intros in the books that we read. Study them, meditate on them, another practice, um, try to understand it. If there's a lot of words that are identified in that first verses, make sure you understand them because then he's going to be using them throughout the book. Make sure you know what it means within the context. Some of the tools that we use today that I used, uh, I'll call it minor word study activity where we looked at definitions. We used the Bible dictionary as a tool. We got into the text. We highlighted the text. We underlined the text. We tried to figure out what those portions of the text mean. I, I know I use the concordance in several places for the word fruit, um, for gospel. I didn't come back and, and uh, those places where Paul talked about false gospels, Galatians chapter 1. I think 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about false gospels. And so I was using my concordance to turn me to those. So we're doing a little bit of inductive Bible study, meaning we're going to other passages of the Bible to help us understand things better. I used my Greek lexicon only once for the word gospel. But there's other Bible tools, too, that I may have even used, and, did, and I'm not identifying them up there to prepare for this. So the questions to ask yourself from today is, do, do you understand? You heard the gospel. You definitely have heard it. Do you understand it? And do you believe it? And then, if you've gotten that far, in order to bear good fruit, Jesus said we have to abide in him. And are you abiding? We didn't, nobody answered the question about how do we abide in him. Uh, we don't have time to go into that in detail because we're down to like a minute left. But in to, to produce and bear the good fruit, we have to abide in him. And that is uh, a necessity. We need to maintain that relationship connection. And what gets in the way of that more than anything? Sin in our lives. If, if we're living a life open sin, rebellion, if we're clinging to a sin, I'll just say this much today on the concept of abiding. 
If there's some sin you can't just release, for whatever reason you hang on to it, that's affecting your ability to abide in him. It gets in the way. It gets in the way of the Holy Spirit's fruit being displayed in you. You grieve the Spirit when you hang on to sin. So that's, that's the one part of abiding that I'll bring up today. And next week, uh, Tom Lindsay is going to teach a week. Uh, he seemed to disappear. He was sitting right there. But um, he's going to teach next week on something that showed up in the book on you know, praying that God will fill believers with wisdom and understanding. We say that in order to truly believe, you've got to understand. You have to have this wisdom. Um, there's also some other parts of that passage that he's going to be teaching on. I'm not positive everything he's going to hit on, but one really interesting part about how God rescues us from uh, our state of unbelief. We, d- we didn't pull ourselves out of that abyss. He rescued us. He drew us to him, and that's, that's addressed in this passage. So let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning uh, together. Thank you for the good discussion, the uh, good listening in the groups. I just kind of heard a little bit of what was going on, and I'm just thankful, Lord, that uh, people are willing to share and listen and, and respect one another and their ideas. Um, pray that you would bless this series as it continues and goes on for many weeks. Pray that you would teach us, that you would draw us to yourself closer, that our relationship to you would grow stronger. Be with the service coming up for the teaching time, the worship. Uh, We just pray for your blessing on this time together this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.